Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 134 of Buds and Blue Jays. This is your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. As usual, I'm Jesse Burrell, joined by Riley McConnell. And our old friend Isaac Bass is back on the show. He's got a lot of things to say coming off the heels of what was a very good series for the Toronto Blue Jays. We rose from the dead, you could say, after we were having a funeral last episode for how bad this team looked and how terrible the outlook was. Boy, how quick. Things can change in baseball, so we will touch on all that, plus a lot more interesting things we saw from the Boston Red Sox in this series. But gentlemen, I want to start the episode here the same way we've started the last few episodes with a simple question, and that is simply this. True or false, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be a playoff team this year. Bassi, I guess first I will let you field this question. This is a very difficult question, and I'm going to put you on the spot because I want to hear what you have to say first. So <laughs> this is uh, being a Toronto Blue Jays fan is kind of like being in a relationship right now where you love them one minute and then you hate them the next. And I, I think they're going to make the playoffs and there's, there's part of my brain. I don't know what percentage, just like I'm sure you guys that feel like they could be that team of destiny that just brings it together at the right time, goes on a run, wins it all. We have the pitching, everything like that. But then there's the other part of me that's just like, and I think I messaged you guys this during the Texas series. It's like, they don't seem like they care. <laughs> and why am I going to care if they don't care? And they're getting paid millions of dollars and we're wasting our time watching them. So it's one of those things where it's like, if they make the playoffs, I'm, I, will, I will cheer for them. But until I see a little bit more fire, from these guys consistently, especially the big guys, because you see it from the David Schneiders, you see it from the Spencer Horowitz, you see it from those guys. But I need to see Matt Chapman not just look up in the sky and chew gum every time he strikes out. Like, I know he had a great hit this, and I know he's your boy, Riley, but I got some major issues with Matt Chapman I'm sure we'll get to. So I'll pass it on to you. Yeah, hey, and uh, Matt Chapman is my guy, but as uh, as you heard last episode, like, I mean, I think his time in Toronto might be done. I thought Biggio had another series, but back to the question. Um, I will say this first off, when we recorded um, after the Red Sox series, um, that's about as deflating as you can get. You could not get Ranger swept series, at right? a worst. Yeah. You could not get swept at a worst time. Um, to add on to that, this was a great time for us to sweep a weekend series because we are at this point back into it. So yes, we are a playoff team right now. However, it's just would seem very Toronto sports team like to flub it right at the <laughs> end of the year, man. These kind of things happen all the time. The optimist in me believes that the big players will show up in big moments uh, for the rest of this season and when they are called upon. And the pessimist and maybe the realist in me understands that this is the game of baseball and the way that things have been trending. There is still a good possibility that we flounder um, these next two weeks against divisional matchups that are extremely every game, every inning, every pitch is extremely important at this part. But for right now, we have a day off on Monday, Tuesday, new series opens up right now. As it stands, Jesse Isaac, we are a playoff team. 
Yeah, it wouldn't it be the most Toronto Blue Jays thing ever to go from these series against the weak teams, the Colorado, the Washington, the Kansas City, the Oakland, and feeling good about the team. Then we go play Texas. We get destroyed. We feel awful. Then we sweep this series. Then we feel great. Let's say we play pretty good against the Yankees in Tampa. And then let's say we come to a situation where we have to win like one of our last five games and we lose all five and get our hearts ripped out of us. That feels like it would be the most Toronto Blue Jays thing ever. But gentlemen, I want to throw some numbers at you because it wouldn't be a Buds and Blue Jays podcast podcast if I wasn't throwing some numbers at you here are where things stand right now after the Blue Jays sweep of the Boston Red Sox the playoff odds currently stand at about 79% for reference the Blue Jays playoff odds also stood at 79% before the Texas Rangers series started at the end of that series we mentioned they were down to about 33% so it's like almost that sweep against Texas never really happened here we are half a game up on the Rangers and one and a half games up on Seattle in fact This series, us sweeping the Boston Red Sox and the help we got across Major League Baseball with Seattle getting swept by the Dodgers, with Cleveland sweeping the Texas Rangers, even Kansas City took two out of three against the Houston Astros. The odds of all of that happening altogether were less than 0.2%. So I don't know what happened with the Blue Jays and the baseball gods to get that favor to call that in, but it seems like a great timing for that to happen for our Blue Jays. Yeah, someone cashed a big karma check with that one. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> I feel like we deserved it. I feel like this is a playoff team, but sometimes I feel like we don't deserve it. Um, there are some instances, um, the stupid things we do on the ball diamond makes us think we don't deserve it. And then we look at the roster that we have, and we totally should be a playoff team. I'm not saying we I, I'm not saying we should have been a 95 win team, but we are definitely good enough to be a wildcard team and to compete in the playoffs. And I fully expect us to be there. And it's a failure if if we fall short of that. It's a complete and it's a complete and utter failure if we do not at least finish in the third wildcard spot. I, I before you continue, Jesse, it also you mentioned it wouldn't be uh Buds and Blue Jays if you didn't throw some stats. It also wouldn't be Buds and Blue Jays if you didn't answer your own question. So Jesse Burrow, <laughs> are the Toronto Blue Jays gonna be making the playoffs this year? Uh I believe in the numbers and the numbers don't lie. I my head <laughs> says yes. My gut says yes. My heart kind of gets that sinking feeling like I'm just so used to disappointment, like most Toronto Blue Jays sports fans are. And some Toronto dramatic. fans are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like something dramatic is going to happen, but I, I do think at the end of the day, we're going to be a playoff team. On the heels of that, though, we haven't really talked about this on the show. Where in a perfect world, where would you guys rather finish? Like, would you rather finish in the third wild card spot to go to Minnesota to face what might be a weaker team in Minnesota? Or would you rather finish in the second wild spot and then take whoever doesn't win the division and face either Baltimore or Tampa in their ballpark? What were you guys' thoughts on that? Who would you rather play? Well, first of all, obviously we know who the easier matchup might be, but I was I was talking with someone about this, and I don't think it's it's not the time in the year where we can decide where we want to finish. We just want to win every single game, and wherever we finish, we finish. Right? If sure. it's a second Makes wild card sense. spot, we might have more. We we might have more of a challenge. I would I would obviously Jesse obviously myself I feel like playing the Minnesota Twins is is going to be a better way to go. We're not in a position where we um have home field. So uh the the, the fact is like the the Tropicana going there it kind of you know scares me a little bit with what might happen um with historically how we've played there. But I mean obviously the Twins 
in my opinion, is is the team I would rather face um, in the first series. For me, if you look at the rest of the schedule, it basically is how do we do against Tampa will determine if we play Tampa. So right. I, I guess the, the logical question would be, obviously, we want to win games so we make the playoffs. Because if we lose to Tampa, we're not making the playoffs. But if we beat Tampa, then Tampa's not going to beat the Orioles and we're going to be playing them. So it's for me... Like, I wouldn't be upset if we got to play the Twins, for sure. But I want to win as many games as possible and just make it in. Because too many times, you saw it in the NBA playoffs last year. Everyone was like, oh, who's going to dodge the Lakers? Who's going to dodge the Warriors? Blah, blah, blah. Just get in. Mm -hmm. Get the best possible position. Because you never know if you're going to play that third wildcard team. At some point, you get home advantage. Yep. And at the end of the day, the Major League Baseball playoffs are a crapshoot. Simple as that. Um, All that matters is you make it there, and then you take your chance at the roll of the dice. Popular opinion guys would say that playing the Minnesota Twins might be the easier route, but I'm going to think I would rather play Tampa or Baltimore, probably Tampa, even though we've had our issues at the Trop. And the reason why I don't want to go to Minnesota is because you think about who's going to be on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays in a short three-game series. We're likely going to go Kevin Gosman in game one. And I don't know if you guys know this, but he has a career 635 ERA against the Minnesota Twins, and he's made two starts against them this year. And both times after those starts, we had talked about, hey, maybe Minnesota has his pitches because they were really some of the worst starts he's had this year against the Twins. So I do think they have something on Kevin Gosman. And guys, Minnesota hasn't won a playoff game since like 2001. They're going to win a playoff game eventually. And you just know (laughs) it's going to happen against the Toronto Blue Jays if they were to end up in that spot. So I think I'll take my chances going to Tampa, a team without Wander Franco, a team that really is missing a lot of injuries on their pitching staff. And I know we have our history at the Trop, but just see if we can get in there, get that hurdle off the back. Because if we're going to win a World Series, we're going to have to beat Tampa anyway. So that's kind of what I'm thinking here. Um, I th- believe it was 2002 be, uh, the Twins last made the playoffs because they beat my A's mm, as it right. shows at the, at this shows at the end of Moneyball pop up <laughs> to Corey, Corey Kosky. I don't know how many times I've mentioned Moneyball on this program, um, but yeah, it's been a long time for them. I don't think that much matters. Jesse raised the only point that does matter as far as that is who's playing in the show now. That would be Kevin Gosman. And if he doesn't have the success against uh, the Twins, then, hey, the wild card series, as we saw last year, if you lose that first game, if you lose that first game in the wild card, it's do or die after that. That first game, they always, you know, they always say, oh, the important game five in hockey or this and that. Well, in the wild card series in baseball, um, I would make a huge case to say, like, you come out guns blazing in that first wildcard game and you throw your best guy for us that's Gosman and if he hasn't pitched well against the twins then we might be in a little bit of trouble then in that game and if you want to be the best you got to beat the best never back down line from so let's do it let's beat the best all right good stuff there that's our thoughts going into the series I just wanted to get that on record as we get closer to the end of the season but guys let's get into this Red Sox series a little bit and let's also talk about some of the notable player performances that could really impact if the Toronto Blue Jays make the playoffs and what their roster or team shape is going to look like getting into this series. And I'm going to start with a quick recap of the games for those of you who might have missed it at home. Game one, the Blue Jays got off the schneid on their losing streak. They won this game three to nothing. They were scoreless until the third when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a three-run home run. And that was all the offense that we needed as Jose Barrios took the losing streak, put this team on his back. Seven shutout innings, five hits, eight, eight strikeouts. Jordan Hicks and Jordan Romano respectively got the hold and the save. 
getting the Blue Jays back on the winning side. Game two of the series was the game you were at, Riley McConnell, and this might have been one of the craziest Blue Jays games of the series, of the season, really. They finished with a 4-3 victory in 13 innings, the first time the Toronto Blue Jays have gone 13 innings since the zombie rule base runner has been in effect. Chris Bassett pitched well, made one mistake. It was a two-run home run in the sixth inning. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. answered with a solo shot in the seventh, his third home run in three games. It stayed that way until the ninth when Dalton Varsho had a two-out RBI triple in the ninth, which the center fielder probably should have caught, might I add, but we will take that break. After neither team could score the zombie runner in the 10th or the 11th inning, Boston got one in the top of the 12th, but Bo Bichette answered with a sack fly in the bottom half. And after Chad Green stranded the zombie runner at second base, the Blue Jays were able to put it all together thanks to a weak hit Whit Merrifield walk-off infield single. And it was the first time since the All-Star break the Toronto Blue Jays win a game that they were trailing entering the ninth inning. And then in game three today, uh, more flares for the dramatic. The Jays win this game three to two. The Jays got out to a two-nothing lead thanks to a Kevin Kiermaier sack fly and later a Dalton Varsho home run. The Jays were one strike away from victory when Eric Swanson gave up a solo home run to Raphael Devers, but no problem. The Jays were able to spawn in the bottom half after a one-out Kevin Biggio single, followed by a Matt Chapman RBI double that scored Biggio all the way from first base to give the Blue Jays back-to-back walk-off wins and the sweep of the Boston Red Sox. So gentlemen, a lot of interesting things to come into the series, a lot of big implications coming forward. Take it away, boys. Who want to go first? Holy cow. There are so many starting points mm-hmm. with 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 Isaac, you take the first one, man. I got to say, I might have to, I'm sure I will have something and Jim suggested have something to add on, but you could go anywhere with this man. Um, this is, this is your platform right now, Isaac. Who do you want? So I want to start off with maybe a little bit of a weird one, but uh, you know, maybe I'm over hyping this, but I guess my question for you guys is when Schneider tells Chapman that he's being pinch hit for by Kevin Biggio and he's got his arm around him and he's talking to him. Like you, you know, he's just saying like, don't hate me, man. I know you're one of the leaders in it. (laughs) Now my question for you guys is, do you want a manager that just goes up to Matt Chapman and says, Biggio is going in and talks with that assertive nature, as I'm sure the guy on the Red Sox bench would do. Um, or do you want a guy that goes and puts his arm around and consoles a guy just to make sure that he doesn't get yelled at again? Is this, am I making this too big of a deal or is that something where I'm a little bit perturbed by? I love this question. Uh, first of all, Isaac, I will tell you exactly what I think. I'm going to take the player away and just make it about manager and player could be anybody. I like old school baseball. I'm going to give you a scenario that has probably happened in the past. My favorite skipper of all time is Jim Leland. Jim Leland was, he loved his players, but he would walk up and he would simply say to the guy, you're out point. You're going in. And he'd walk down the tunnel and have a smoke. So I'm all about the guys like, like the, the, we're not here to make friends. It's important to have good chemistry in the clubhouse. I don't think you're making it too big of a deal. This is a rare occasion where, uh, you know, Matt Chapman gets pinch hit for. The matchup seemed correct at the time. And honestly, it worked out. Cha- it worked, yeah. Chapman, until, until game three today, at this point, since he had been back off the I.L., Matt Chapman hasn't hadn't done a damn thing. And Biggio was was really putting on a nice last couple weeks. So it's the right call. I will say this for John Schneider's sake. Like that's the that was the correct call in the ballgame. 
He scored the run. Varsho got, yes, a little bit of help from a center fielder who didn't know whether he was Martha or Arthur out there. But he got he got he got a break and it ended up scoring Biggio all the way from first base. And he was on first base because Schneider made the decision to pinch it for him. But yeah. Isaac, we're not we're not out there to make friends, and there should not be hard feelings. It's a team sport. You won the game based off your manager's decision. I think it should be in the back of his mind after that. But yeah, he was totally saying, "Don't hate me, don't hate me." Yeah, I think you got to know your players, right? If you are a soft-spoken guy, like Vladdy seems to be a kind of soft-spoken guy who would get upset about getting pinch pinch hit. I think that's the type of player you'd have to put your arm around and console and tell him it's going to be okay. But some of the hard-nosed guys like Matt Chapman or Whit Merrifield or even Danny Jansen, like the guys that are here for business, if you're pinch hitting for them, look them in the eye and be like, hey, you're not good enough right now. We're going with this guy to help the team get some wins and then just be done with it. I think as a manager, you really need to know your team and know what things you have to say in order to spark them to get them going. So Jesse, I'm going to U-turn on you here because you mentioned your first sentence I had a problem with. (laughs) You have to know your guys. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. seems soft-spoken. He needs that. He seems like the guy that needs to be consoled. I have a huge problem with that. All right. Because that we can get into Vladdy right now because I've had weeks to to think about <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. not on this podcast, and I can't tell anyone about it. No, I completely disagree. This guy, his whole life, and you have to understand, his whole life he's been tell he's been told. Well, he's the son of a great baseball player. Yeah, he's going to be told great. He's, the best, right? he's been told he's the best. He has not. Been, he's been like average to sub average recently as runners in score position if you look at his stats it's like okay whatever but the double play what is that stat you said last last week that like more double plays than anyone in the last couple of his age yep yeah exactly i want schneider to not be afraid to tell vladdy how it is i'm sure they have their words about his base running air and stuff like that but when i see this guy doesn't seem to care he's trotting and this is the teoscar hernandez exact same issues that i had last year if the guy these guys aren't sprinting to first base you make millions of dollars at, we're at our jobs where we've made minimum wage in the past we've sprinted to do certain things you can sprint to first base a couple times a game so i want our managers this is where like i think don mattingly would have a possibly more standing to do it but i want them to tell vladimir guerrero no man you need to get your act together. And I want them to treat him the exact same as everyone else in that clubhouse. And that's how you build team chemistry. Because right now I feel like there's a lot of guys that aren't performing and they have the big payrolls and their expectations are huge. And then there's all of the rookie guys that are actually performing. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who are looking like they're having fun out there. They're the ones who are celebrating the most when they win games. So I want a little bit more equality within the clubhouse. Thoughts? See- and it's a great point, but my thought on that is if you do that to Vladimir Guerrero and you and you come at him hard and direct like that, I feel like he's going to take it more personal than everyone else, and it might be something that sticks with him onto the field, onto like his at-bats in the future, maybe even weeks or days at a time, where if you tell another player and you're hard and strict with them, I feel like they can get over it more quickly, and that was kind of my vibe with mm. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. there. Yeah, and then we get into the character clause thing. I won't spend too much. We've already been we've already been milking this one, but then you get into the character clause thing. And basically, what I'm hearing from this is we're calling Vladdy's personality soft in a way, and he's got a bit of a cocky nature to him still, which is very dangerous. Because I hey, I I get it, but let's let's put it this way. Let's Vladdy should not be in a situation where he gets pinch hit for, and that comes down to his own performance. 
Sure. <laughs> yeah, if he's getting pitched in for it, there is a problem. Something went very yes. wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Which thankfully we're not in that way yet. But if we get to that point at this point in the season, oh boy, we're gonna have a field day on this <laughs> podcast. Um, let's get on to some other things I saw here. We got to talk a little bit about the base running here too, because if the oh Blue Jays are gosh. going to be a playoff team this year and they are going to excel in the playoffs, we've kind of already touched on it with guys hustling down the line and whatnot. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., another example, just did not tag on a fly ball to center. When the center fielder was literally dove and on the ground, he could have made it to third where a ground ball gets the run and he ended up scoring anyway, so no harm, no foul. But boy, that was tough to see. A few more things. Um, late in that game, when Bobachet hit the sack fly, Varsho did not slide into home plate and made that play very much closer than it needed to be. I screamed at my television walking with that. We've talked about Alejandro Kirk being slow as shit and even... I know he's slow and we've touched on this before, but like, you gotta try my guy. Like you gotta move. And a few things too. Whit Merrifield got doubled up at second base in this series. Um, Kirk, there was ground ball at the middle of the second base. They threw him at a third and he wasn't even close. He didn't slide. Like a championship winning baseball team does the little things. Well, it can't just be guys like Kevin Kiermeyer and Whit Merrifield doing things like this. It needs to be the whole team. And that needs to change. If the blue Jays are going to be good in the playoffs. We did at the start of the year for the first half of the year, we were, am- I remember watching being like, this is the kind of team I like seeing now, if only we could get some home runs, but we were stealing all kinds of bases, amazing base running. We we're playing small ball super well. And then I don't know what happened, but it's just deteriorated as the seasons were not. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know what it is. What Do you have any ideas? I have been itching, itching to talk on this subject. Let's hear it, Ryan. This, this is a – base running should be a rudimentary part of any team's game. If you're talking about base running and we're not talking about, oh, so-and-so stole two bases the other night, then it's probably not good base running stuff. Varsho in the first game made a great play, great play to duck under the first baseman on a tag that the throw was wild on. And he, that was a great play. So he's sliding into first base with, with, you know, on a less important play, but that I get what he was trying to do, but you got to slide into home. It's mm-hmm. this, it's so many things. First of all, it's, it's a, becomes a, an issue with with player safety if i mean it's a lot safer as a base runner and as a catcher like you know the catcher did a great job not blocking the plate and varsho you know if there's any if that throws off and there's a collision he's standing upright like that then it's big trouble he probably gets ejected there's a whole debacle he was lucky that it went down that way. And as far as, yeah, um, Vladdy not tagging and Bo not tagging, those are unfortunate plays. And those are young mistakes. Their balls were both hit on a line. I get where their heads were at thinking those were going to drop. However, that wasn't the case. And in this, in this, the play really called for them to be tagging up. Now I'm going to talk about, the the moment that we've all been waiting for this this is this is something I've wanted to talk about since I've witnessed it. Let's talk about the one in game one, which was there was a ground ball up the middle to the shortstop, his forehand side. So he's moving towards second base on this play. Uh, Kirk Alejandro Kirk, he is the culprit of of what I'm about to you know comment on which is he got thrown out this was a six to five put out which is one of the more in rare infield put outs in baseball he was the only runner on base 
And I mean, it's a fielder's choice, essentially. And the, hey, the fielder chose the right the right play to make. I mean, I don't know what he could have done, which was not run. Um, he should know his speed a little bit better. Even if you have average speed, I feel like you get there. Yeah, any of the three fast, of us got there. Yeah, let's yeah. fast forward to game to, to game two, the game I was at. Um, we had zero hits at this point in the ball game. Kirk comes out with two outs, and he takes one of his, again, one of his tomahawk swings on a ball up high, and he hits it to the wall in right field. I get Verdugo is a good outfielder. He's probably one of the better um, throwing right fielders in the in Major League Baseball. Um, if you're Alejandro Kirk, you probably should stay at first base. He got hosed out at second, and it's just he he should have got there. And Jesse, we've had this conversation. Yes, his, 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 he's not going to do it. He's, it's not it's not in his physique to do that. He's a catcher. We're going to give him a break. The fact is, if you're 20, what, 23, 24, and you can't run that out, not an athlete of uh, 23, 24-year-olds stand up on second base making that play, man. I don't know what it's going to take, but those that's a fundamental, like, Base part of of baseball, you that should be a double for any major league baseball player, and it absolutely drove me up the walls. It didn't start, it didn't kill a rally, it didn't do anything like that. But well, I, I mean, you're we're, we're talking about a I, sure bass. You go ahead. It it did kill a. That was our first hit of the game. You have mm -hmm. to get on base there. Sale had dominated us the whole game. If you're gonna get thrown like that, you have momentum for a split second, and then it's gone. Just get on base. Just get on base if, and stay on first. You know your limitations as Alejandro Kerr and the first base guy should should too. So that's my thought is like, if, if that situation, don't risk it. Even if, yeah, you're totally right. Like he should be getting there. And I, I don't want to get on the, maybe he should lose weight thing. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to get into that. But in the end, if you're not, if you're not fast, stay safe in that situation. Couldn't yeah. have said it better myself, Isaac. And that's the thing. In come playoff time, we can't afford outs on the bases. By the way, the Blue Jays lead the American League in outs on the bases, which is something else I wanted to add there. That needs to change if this team is going to perform in the playoffs. I want to move on to something else, boys. And I just want to shout out a few more things in this series that really caught my attention. If any of these stand out to you, feel free to interject and we can get into them a little bit. But um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., for as much slack as we did him, he did hit two more home runs in this series. He also walked four times. So better progress from Vladdy, I suppose. Davis Schneider has cooled off a little bit here. He went 0 for 5 in game two. Did have a couple line drives, hard hit baseballs. They just seem to find gloves. I think this is just the rookie edge, I guess, for Davis Schneider. Still confident in him. Whit Merrifield has been quite terrible. George Springer had a rough series. Uh, Matt Chapman, even with his double, has been kind of poor this lately as well. And um, I wanted to throw some love to the guys in the bullpen here, especially Jordan Romano, Chad Green, and Jordan Hicks. Um, they were all really good, especially in that big extra inning game. Two shutout innings from Jordan Romano, getting the save in game one as well. And then Jordan Hicks pitching well here too. And one more thing that I've noticed is that in game three today, every single Toronto Blue Jays pitcher who pitched in this game had above average fastball velocity compared to their normal. Like Hunjin Ryu, Chad Green, Genesis Cabrera, Eric Swanson, and Jimmy Garcia were all throwing slightly harder in this game than they did the course of the season. In fact, Chad Green threw his fastest pitch he threw in the last five years in this game in game three. So just some things that caught my attention if you guys have a thought on any of those. 
As far as the bullpen goes, I couldn't agree more. I will give extra love to Chad Green. He had his sampler start out in Colorado and, and, and didn't fare so well, but he's been great ever since. And my another tip of the cap to Jordan Romano, uh, doing two innings in uh, the, long, the long game there. And then, um, you know, and then collecting the save. So, I mean, Romano is still an elite closer. We kind of missed him for a bit. He's back now, and I f- think that he's going to show up in big moments for the rest of the year. And I think he can, he can, he can deal with the workload. Man, having the day off though today is is going to help because you you'll see him a lot in these last few weeks of the, of the season. These last two weeks, you'll see a lot of Jordan Romano usage. Isaac, anything there catch your attention from the series, or anything else you want to add? Um, well, Hunjin Ryu throwing a faster fastball than typical is it's pretty, I guess, impressive. What he hit 89 now? Um, 88.5. Nice. There you go. Not 89 yet. You'll get there. Um, I, I I actually would just want to ask because I know you've mentioned the last few episodes. Um, and I've heard this from like guys like JD Bunkus and stuff like that in sports media who still say that they really don't trust Jose Barrios. I actually have a little bit of a different opinion. I would start Jose Barrios in my top three pitchers in the playoffs. I maybe I didn't watch enough last year to really get as turned off as you guys about Jose Barrios, but all the games I watch of this guy, he does pretty well. And I think he's one of those guys where you can tell really soon if he doesn't have it. And if he doesn't have it, you put someone, someone else in, but if he does have it, he's going to be one of the best pitchers on our staff. Do you trust John Schneider, though, to know that if Jose Brios has it and we'll pull him in time? That's well, I mean, that's pretty in- indicative of what I think of John Schneider. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, that's where I think that's why I want a manager, as we were talking about earlier, that is just going to do what is best for the team and not worry about the um the dynamics because i think that's how you demand respect from your clubhouse and that's how you build team unity yeah i mean this is a jose barrios that's a lot closer to what um he was dealing in 2018 with the twins i don't know what happened last year um i have a lot more trust in him this year he's he's really proven um that he can be a quality starting pitcher for us so i do at this point going into the year Isaac, not a whole lot of trust. It had to be, you know, built back. He needed to have some redeeming starts. And I believe that he's proven uh, to this Blue Jays fan base and to his team, his managers, um, like that he can hack it in the top three in the rotation. I'm totally with you on that one, man. Well, big quick question. You guys just need to say yes or no, because I know you're, uh, we're running out of time here. But um, next year starts, Kevin Gosman, God forbid, is hurt. Who is your opening day starter if all things ended right now? Well, if all things ended right now, then we're probably um, ooh, we're probably going to roll with uh, Jose Brios, assuming um, at this point. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, I I would probably do Brios even over Chris Bassett, just with the way the contract shape, assuming Alec Manoa, um, you know, buys a buys a house in Alaska and doesn't ever return to Major League Baseball. And, you know, the scenarios, whatever. I have a lot more faith in Brios and. Um, yeah, to answer your question, yes. Jesse? Even if Alec Manoa comes into camp next year, it looks awesome, is throwing 99 and strikes out literally every single batter he faces in spring training, he will still not be the opening day starter <laughs> for the Toronto Blue Jays next year. Um, Jose Brios is probably the answer. I think I would go with Chris Bassett, but it's 
if we're doing this at the start of next season, I would hope it's another pitcher, um, someone we acquire via trade or free agency <laughs> okay. that can anchor this. Fair enough. Nice cop out. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the safe answer. Um, but look, we're at the end of the day, we're going to have to ride Jose Brios. He's not going out of this rotation. He's going to have to go in there. I just look at some of the under the hood stats and they still don't scream like he's this three mid threes ERA pitcher. Everything under the hood looks like he's more of a mid fours ERA pitcher who just seems to be getting a little lucky with his home run data. And he's still allowing a ton of hard hit balls. His strand rate is just incredibly high. Guys are getting on base. They're just not scoring. Take for that information what you will. Um, but yeah, that's really all I had on Jose Barrios. A few little minor news and notes here. I wanted to give a hearty shout out to the Vancouver Canadians, who are the Blue Jays' high A teams, and they've just won their International League with a lineup that features four of the Blue Jays' top 30 prospects. They are officially champions up there. Um, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats season is over. They finished with a record of 62 and 72. Obviously not good enough for the playoffs there. And um, some more prospecty stuff. Um, the Blue Jays sent their names for the people who are going to the Arizona Fall League this year, which is a name I'll be watching. Some notable names. Names that will be going are Ricky Tiedemann, who hasn't pitched a lot this year. Canada's Desan Brown, who we saw in spring training and we saw play for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. CJ Van Eyck, Trent Palmer, um, Dehan Santos, and other names are all going. So a large Blue Jay contingent at the Arizona Fall League this year. Um, the only thing I want to take about that is that it's nice that the Blue Jays are building a team of winners down in the farm because we said it before. We want these guys to learn how to win. And then when they come up, they still have that winner can-do attitude. So... Congrats to the Vancouver Canadians on a winning season this year. Yeah, it's good. Let's, um, hey, it's promising to, you know, have a minor league system that shows success. I mean, um, I'm all about that, man, especially when, you know, baseball's turnover rate has been, you know, a lot of young superstars. I mean, it used to be baseball was all about those veterans, and you sat on the bench if you were 23 years old, man. Uh, now the game is owned by superstar young guys. So, I mean, if you can make it up to the big leagues from, from you know, single A, then good on you, man. So, I mean, that's a good step, probably a good stepping stone for a lot of guys, whether it would be in the major leagues or a minor league career. Anything else to add, lads, uh, before we uh, get out of here? Isaac, go ahead. I did want to add something. So I heard these stats. Maybe you guys mentioned on the last podcast. I didn't get around to listen to all of it yet. Um so these stats I heard on the J.D. Bunkus podcast. Um, and just give me your thoughts on it. The Jays are 17 and 27 against playoff teams in the American League. And we have a minus 56 run differential, which is including that 22 to whatever game against Tampa Bay that we won. So our run differential is actually closer to 70. Does Do you guys actually think that with those stats that you can look at, that we'd really have a shot. I mean, adding to that too, last episode, we talked about how Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has like a 900 OPS against teams below 500 and a 680 OPS against teams above 500. So it's not just the Blue Jays winning. It seems like good teams also know how to pitch to us a little better. Look, it's concerning. Obviously, you'd want the Blue Jays to be able to crush everyone they come across. You can take it at two ways. One, you can think, yeah, this is a trend. This is a very serious issue. The Blue Jays just don't have it to compete with the good teams. Or you can think, no, the Blue Jays are one of these good teams. Sometimes they just get unlucky and they're going to regress to the mean here and it's going to happen during the playoffs times. Those are the two ways you can look at it, I suppose. And what we are you looking tell- at it like? I don't think we have a chance, honestly. I think if we get in, we're going to win. We might win the series against Minnesota or Tampa. I think it'll be hard for this team to get out of the ALDS, but you never know. Just get in. Wilder things can happen. 
I mean, you're talking about the ALDS right now. I still have a funny feeling about the rest of this year. We should win it, and I think, and I think there's a good chance we still make the postseason. But guys, we we are kind of forgetting, you know, how inconsistent this Blue Jays team has been. I'm not I mean, forgetting. Uh, good because <laughs> no one should forget. I'm not saying, and listeners, viewers, honestly, like. Hey, it's great. We swept the Red Sox, but that Texas series was tough. If we split that series even, we're we're in a different spot and we're having a different conversation even, you know, talking about the detriments of this team and what's negative and and all that stuff, but I mean, like we're we're facing no matter what the Yankees the Yankees will always be the Yankees to us. It just seems that way no matter who they field, no matter who's starting for them they are just a team that we have trouble with in the same with the, the Tampa Bay Rays. So, I mean, Hey, there is a good possibility we make the playoff, but I would say, you know, percentage out the window. I mean, so baseball is a funny game, man. And it just, things could happen. I'm just saying, don't be too upset if we don't make even the third wildcard spot because things went real sour at the end of the year. Stay optimistic. But don't get your hearts broken. Riley, I cannot make that promise. <laughs> um, we're coming on here. We are going to live and die by this Toronto Blue Jays team, as we did last episode, and as we're feeling going into this episode. Gentlemen, as we've done on all of our episode, other episodes, this is episode 134 of Bloods and Blue Jays. So now that we've got a little helper on here, I want you to guys to try to guess who is the 134th uh, position player and pitcher on all the Blue Jays all-time war list. We've done this a few times, Isaac, so now you get your shot at it. We are getting deep into the woods here in position player war. It's going to be very tough. Um, the hitter war on the side. This player was an outfielder and a first baseman. He only played for the Toronto Blue Jays for about half a season. He was on four teams in the year 2000. His last stint was with the Toronto Blue Jays, and he was a designated hitter. He played 46 games with this team. Good luck is all I got to say. Spent most of his career um, with the Chicago White Sox. He played for Tampa Bay a bit. He was a Montreal Expo, which might help. Power hitter, a guy who, well, maybe not so much a power hitter. Bat left, through left. Take a wild guess. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that could be a lot of guys. 2000, and it was an outfielder, a lefty-lefty. First base for us or outfielder for us? He played mostly right field for the Blue Jays. Played mostly right field for the Blue Jays. Is this Glenn Allen Hill? Not Glenn Allen Hill. This is going to be a tough one. I'd be surprised if you got it. I, uh, Bassie, any guess? You can have my guess too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Slee Slack, uh, McCovney Jr. I don't know, man. No, it's Dave Martinez, and I did not think anyone oh, would get this. Get I would never have got this one. Yeah, hey, we're getting I mean, deep in the woods of hitter war. If wow. you got that one, good on you for listening out there. Leave I didn't even know he was a. I didn't even know he was a Blue Jay. I'll have to check up his baseball reference so I can add him to my immaculate grid list. There you go. On the pitching side, this one might be a little easier. This is a relief pitcher. He pitched for the Blue Jays for two years in the seasons 2020 and 2021. I can give you another hint if you need it. Bassy. <laughs> what do we think? Yeah, give me give us a hint. Six foot four right hander throws right. He started his major league career with the Chicago Cubs from 2011 to 2013. And then he went to Japan for a bunch of years. He was a closer in Japan. I think he led the NPB in saves. And then he came to the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he pitched really well in 2020, had a 150 ERA, 24 innings pitch, and then was disastrous in 2021. He got into 39 games before we cut him. Who does he play for now? He's not in the league. Once Toronto cut him, no team signed him. Ryan Dahl. 
No, he nope. He's still playing, I believe. Ah, okay, Bassy. Trying to rack my brain, but I can't. I, I know it's gonna be someone I know. I'm honestly not. In yeah. 2020, I mean, he closed momentarily. He got five saves to the Blue Jays just before Jordan Romano took the role. I don't know. And then, like, is that the guy that replaced uh, Kirby Yates when he just signed and then took the whole year off because he got hurt? Yes. Yeah. I know there's a guy. I just don't know who the hell it is. <laughs> oh, you guys are going to kick yourself. This is Rafael Dolis is number 134 on the more. Sure. I, I, hey, I know. I know. I'm, I'm obviously I'm, I'm not too sad about that. In all honesty, there's probably people <laughs> screaming like I got so many damn baseball players in my head that I'm not going to get too hung up about Rafael Dolis. <laughs> I mean, I just think, I mean, I just tried to name um, Dave Martinez and I came out with Glenn Allen Hill. So, I mean, I, I think I know a couple baseball players in my brain and the fact that I didn't get a guy who, who probably pitched less than a hundred innings in his career. I, I mean, it is what it is. A hundred, hundred MLB innings. If he was a good pitcher um, overseas. So Deep I mean, into hey, the woods of the Toronto yeah. Blue Jays leaderboards here. Uh, that'll do it for episode here today. Thank you everybody for tuning in for Riley, for Isaac. Thank you both for coming back on the show. We will be back to after the day off to recap. What is a pivotal series um, coming up on Thursday guys playoff baseball is here. Hold on to your butt, wear your Blue Jays cap hard, and let's hope, hope, hope the Blue Jays can perform. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.